Trauma Therapist Podcast, episode 228. Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code the Trauma Therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L dot com slash podcast. And don't forget to use the code the Trauma Therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. Welcome to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson, and this is a podcast where I interview thought leaders and game- Are you tired of spending countless hours buried under mountains of progress notes or clinical notes? It's time to focus on what truly matters, which is providing exceptional care to your clients. Introducing Text Expander, your ultimate solution to help you streamline documentation and boost your productivity. I've been using Text Expander for years, and it's one of the tools I use every single day. If you're a therapist, if you're a coach, any content or text you use on a regular basis in your progress notes, for example, your name, address, or even longer forms, paragraphs of notes, or sections of reports, you can create a shortcut for it. Text Expander automatically populates entire paragraphs of text, saving you valuable time and effort, and it allows you to get back to what truly matters your clients. Text Expander is offering the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners 20% off when you go to textexpander.com slash trauma. That's textexpander.com slash trauma. Come changers in the fields of trauma, addiction, mindfulness, and yoga with the goal of inspiring and educating anyone who works with individuals who've been impacted by trauma. Super excited you're here with me today. Here we go. All right, folks, today's episode is brought to you by audible.com. I've teamed up with Audible to get you a free audiobook by going to the traumatherapistproject.com slash free book. That's the traumatherapistproject.com slash free book. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, your Kindle, MP3 player. Look, if you're like me and you love reading and you like getting information, wherever you can, whenever you can, from all over the place, this is a no-brainer. They have titles such as Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman, The Body Keeps a Score by Bessel van der Kolk, and my recommendation most recently is Tribe by Sebastian Younger. Awesome book. They also have a pretty incredible return policy. How do I know this? Because I've used it multiple times. Once you remember, just go in, click on return, and that's it. You get a free book. You get another shot at getting another book. Sound good? Get your free audiobook by going to the traumatherapistproject.com slash free book. All right, guys, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. And today, very excited to introduce my guest, Jeff Dowdy. Jeff, welcome. 
Thank you, Guy. All right. You ready to do this? Uh, absolutely. All right. So over the last 20 years, Jeff gratefully has had opportunities to direct programs utilizing art and Aikido to support the excellence of youth and adults in under-resourced and in at-risk communities. Jeff has led community art product projects, taught art in the classroom, and has recently founded Sarete, a nonprofit that utilizes the martial art of Aikido as a resource for reducing the burdens of conflict and trauma. For Jeff, Akita was a discovery that the body isn't just along for the ride, but rather it's a, is a driving force that determines our experience. Sorete stems from the realization that in Aikido, the body becomes a resource for experiencing conflict in a way that leads to a resolution and healing. Awesome. All right, Jeff, before we kind of launch in here, um, where, where are you calling from? Where are you from? Uh, so I uh, was uh, born and raised and returned to uh, Richmond, Virginia, which is where I uh, sit today. And uh, mm-hmm. it's a it's a beautiful sunny day, which is really strange for this time in Richmond. And so, uh, so yeah, it's a it's a beautiful place to be today. Awesome. So an, an interesting thing. I, I don't know if I shared this with you when we had talked earlier, but um, in my graduate school. Uh, which was um, Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. We actually studied it. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at the new equation.com. Keto. So that was part of our, our process in, in doing therapy and learning about therapy. So, so that was one of the reasons why I was really excited about having you on here, but for our listeners, let's kind of start. What is Sorete? Uh, so Sorete is, um, it's a nonprofit program that adapts the practice of Aikido um, to be more accessible and um, also more of a trauma-safe practice for individuals who uh, may have vulnerable backgrounds or who may specifically come from um, a history of traumatic or um, experiences of violence. Okay. What, what does that word literally mean, serete? So, uh, so serete doesn't actually mean anything by itself. Um, and, it's, and, and I sort of use the term uh, liberally. Um, because in, in Japanese grammar, if uh, sorete is added to the end of a verb, um, it really refers to the impulse that drives us towards action. <laughs> and and so, uh, so the founder of Aikido um, commonly said that we... Um, we must stand on the floating bridge of heaven. And, uh, and, and in that place, there is where everything intersects and creation happens and, and change happens. Um, and in that line, um, to stand is actually, um, is tata serete, which is being compelled to stand, being driven to stand. Um, and so serete really just uh, tries to focus on the impulse that, that drives us forward uh, towards action. Nice. And I think for our listeners, it might help to kind of explain uh, why Aikido and, and, and therapy, um, because I think it's, it's such a beautiful uh, kind of metaphor in a sense. So let's, let's start there. And then uh, I'm just really curious to hear how you got into not just Aikido, but working with trauma. So take it away. 
Sure. So, um, so I, I don't know if you were implying that maybe we should uh, share with the listeners a little bit about what Aikido is. Yeah, let's do that because it because uh, it is a really different martial art, and um, and it, the normal way that you would explain it is that it is a, a nonviolent martial art. Uh, that rather than uh, using strikes, punches, kicks, etc., cetera, uh, to do harm as a way of defending yourself, uh, instead what you really do is you blend and collaborate with the energy, the motion, the dynamic of a movement um, coming from an attack. And you really transfer or transform that into a throw, into a fall, into a technique. Um, so really the, the energy of conflict becomes... Uh, the opportunity for resolution uh, through these structured practices. Nice, nice. Um, and it's really wonderful. And what, what I thought I might do is, and I'm going to try to do this visually enough or descriptively enough that everybody can do this, but um, to sort of give everyone an idea of what Aikido is like and why it might be applicable to this. Um, what I'll ask uh, everyone who's not driving and, and uh, today, if you can just uh, hold your hands up at shoulder height and um, and face your palm outwards so that you're sort of showing the world that your hands are clean. Um, and what I'd like you to do is if your left hand could uh, hold on to the wrist of your right hand, and so your left okay. holds on to your right wrist, um, and pr immediately really focus on the fact that your fingers are free to move. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's easy to feel stuck in this position, so really focus on the fact that our fingers are free. Our fingers can move, our hand can move freely. Mm -hmm. um, and Extend your fingers as if they're bristles of a paintbrush uh, mm. pointing to where the ceiling uh, meets the wall. Uh, paint from the ceiling down to the floor, from the floor to the tips of your toes, um, up your legs, up past your belly button, up underneath of your chin, mm. um, and then reach back out. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if this worked for you, Guy, and I don't know what percentage of the listeners it worked for, um, but if you made a circle uh, with your right hand um, in a relaxed and a fluid way, uh, you really just rotate out of the grip huh. of your other hand. Nice. Um, and uh, I'll share a link to a, to a video of this so you can actually uh, see it as well and if, if, if it was a struggle for anybody. Um, but the reason why I share this is that Aikido is a practice practice that involves two parts. Um, and in this exercise, you may really see yourself uh, or see your hands as the hand that is grabbing and the hand that is being grabbed. And we really can easily focus on that stuckness. Uh -huh. um, but in the practice of Aikido, and especially in the practice of Sorete, uh, we, we focus on our place of freedom, our place uh, of opportunity. And if we can find um, agency within that place, um, we really have a different experience. <laughs> the other reason... Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're, sure. you're saying just a lot of great stuff. I just want to uh, uh, jump in and, and kind of um, touch upon what you are saying because you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself that there's just so many applications to the, the work that therapists and mental health clinicians do with individuals who have been traumatized. Um, so, and, and obviously, you know, from, from your vantage point, but this is a, just a great, um, uh, I think opportunity for our listeners to learn about this, this martial art and, uh, just really how the, the concepts are applicable to, to, to the work we're doing. So, yeah, and absolutely. Awesome. And, and maybe what I'll do, I'll share a little, um, story about how um, 
I made the transition from my keto practice uh, to, to seeing it as a potential resource. Um, Definitely. So, and so, um, and or at least, guy, do you think that that's a good enough uh, overview of what I, I do? Is? I, I really uh, do. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna. I'm really curious to hear about you and how you got into this and uh, and so forth. So, yeah, please. Sure. Um, and so, the first thing that I'll say is that um, as a young person, um, uh, in response to uh, some bullying and some other um, struggles that I had as a kid, my parents put me into karate. And I ended up studying that for about 16 years. And so I uh, really enjoyed a lot of the positive outcomes of the martial arts throughout my life. Um, But as I grew older, I realized that karate was really allowing me to practice um, being angry Mm. in a way that was skillful. And over 16 years of time, I had really felt like I had gotten um, really good at being angry, um, but that the martial arts had never really helped me become less angry. And I really struggled with that, and I didn't really want to practice uh, something that evoked that aspect of myself. Um, so I got into the practice of Aikido and its um, ideals of nonviolence and recognized that you could practice the martial arts without practicing uh, doing harm to others. And so that was very um, important to me at the outset. So um, at this time and, and for about the next seven years, um, I'm an art teacher at an urban school in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and the students come from uh, a number of different inner city communities that surround the area. Um, and I had the opportunity to teach an Aikido and conflict resolution course. Um, I was really used to seeing my students walk through their day um, in a very specific way. And I was an artist, so I really saw the visual um, sort of picture of this. And what I saw was the uh, the young men would walk around with their shoulders sort of thrown back, their hands um, balled up, their heads coming forward, literally looking like the per- the boxer entering the stadium and about <laughs> ready to jump into the boxing ring. Right. Um, the girls did something um, rather different. They sort of um, walked throughout their day with this little storm that they brew um, around them. It was like this little hurricane that followed them from class to class. Um, and I had worked with uh, inner city kids in Baltimore and um, kids in a number of different settings. And I really recognized that what they were doing was they were trying to express um, – some level of control over an environment that they felt was unpredictable over a life in which they probably did not feel remarkably safe. Um, and many of them likely um, came with some level of history of experiencing conflict or violence or trauma. And um, I never really saw this change until the students started taking the Aikido class. And in the Aikido class, the movements that we do to um, are very circular. Um, They require you to sort of relax and extend in a very grounded um, way. Uh, You respond to your partner in a way that's very collaborative and very engaged. And and by doing this, what you saw was the the body movements made it very difficult for the students to maintain um, the expression that I described earlier. The shoulders dropped, the hands released, um, uh, both the boys and the girls stood sort of straight and calmly. And they started interacting with each other differently. Um, When the guys would pick on the girls, the girls would very quietly assert this sort of grounded um, personal space. And I was like, man, these, what's happening in Aikido um, is different than what I see throughout the whole rest of their day. Um, 
And that's where I really saw what the movements were doing um, was really affecting their, their expression of their self. Fascinating. How, how long had you been studying uh, Aikido when you started with this, uh, working with these kids? I would one? guess it was probably about eight years. Oh, wow. Okay. And, so you- um, and sort of, and as an irony to this, or as maybe something that I'm very grateful for, um, at this point in my Aikido training, I was still practicing uh, very martially, trying to be, you know, this sort of very strong male martial artist figure. Um, and what I discovered was that in looking at what the students were experiencing, this sort of different expression of themselves, um, I also recognized that for me, in the, in the practice of Aikido, Aikido is the place where I felt safe. Aikido is the place where I felt uh, less aggressive. Um, and I started to realize as I explored that practice um, that Aikido is really the way that I was also dealing with my own uh, struggles with aggression, my own struggles of safety. Um, and what was happening to my students was sort of the same thing that I saw happening in myself. Um, and this is really odd. And where I say it was really ironic was one, it took me to see it in the students to see it mm-hmm. in myself. Um, and then secondly, uh, that was not my, um, when I was out in the rest of my life, um, I was renovating a house at the time. Um, I sort of walked through life mentally, very enjoying, uh, very much enjoying myself and what I was doing, but physically I always sort of felt like there was a problem on the horizon. Um, and there was something that I was going to have to deal with because of this, this house renovation. Um, and it was really only in Aikido where I was both mentally enjoying myself, um, as well as physically enjoying myself. And so again, I really started to realize that the movements that we do with our body to practice Aikido um, really is sort of the antithesis of anger, really the antithesis of frustration. Um, and for, for me, it was really the antithesis of the, of the sort of the fear that I had um, of what problem was on the horizon. It's very interesting to, to first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, and it's interesting to hear you talk about that, Jeff, because it, it sounds like you've you know, through your experience and working with these kids, been been working out your own quote unquote stuff uh, in a way along the way. And as you said, it wasn't until you got to working with those kids and seeing how they responded that you kind of got a bead on what was going on for you. That that's it's so inspiring. I mean, I think that you've gotten there and and what you're doing now. Yeah, and I'm I'm really and I'm grateful for that. And and I think that. Uh, um, uh, any teacher uh, recognizes that through teaching, you learn far more about your craft um, because you have to explain it, because yeah. you have to share it with someone. Um, and once you realize how to do that either uh, better or uh, less successfully, um, you really begin to understand things. And uh, and I really did. I experimented with what I was sharing with the students and realized that if I um, if I breathed as I would in Aikido, if I stood as I would in Aikido, if I moved, um, you know, out in the world as I would in Aikido, that I could have a very different experience in my daily life um, that really coordinated my uh, my physical experience or the my body's experience with how I was mentally perceiving uh, what was going on. What um, so at Sarete, uh, and that's 
S-A-R-E-T-E.org. I'll have that linked up mm-hmm. at the show notes page here at the trauma therapist uh, podcast.com. So you've you, talked to us about why you started this, this, uh, organization. Well, um, well, seeing the benefits in the students, uh, was really a, a big impetus. And, uh, but what happened was I really thought I had a really good resource for conflict resolution, for self-regulation. Um, but as I did uh, research in what's been studied and as I um, really connected with the rest of the Aikido community, and it's specifically the Aiki extensions community, um, I realized that, um, that there was a lot more applications of what uh, the practice could be. Um, I had the opportunity to connect with some great uh, mentors. Uh, Paul Linden um, was one of them. He's a somatic uh, bodywork therapist who deals specifically with trauma. Uh, Richard Shrozy Heckler, which you've had on on the show, um, and also uh, Tom Osborne, who uh, started an organization that specifically works with uh, Aikido and military veterans. Um, and through that mentorship, I really discovered um, what I was working on was uh, not really conflict and self-regulation, but was working um, on the impacts of trauma um, and the impacts that in, in one way or another, to some degree, we all carry with us um, as survivors of, of many different kinds of experiences. And, um, and that realization, and also my, I'll say that my, my parents are both psychologists, and uh, through uh, talking, uh, clinical psychologists and, and talking to them, um, it just resonated with their experience of, of being therapists. Uh, my dad's being a therapist and my mom's um, research as, a, as an academic psychologist. And um, the more I talked to people, the more it resonated with that, this idea that, that our, we need a practice um, that, and maybe even an interactive practice, that helps support our um, journey through this struggle. And it was just really great inspiration to think that um, what Aikido had been for me as a resource could be likewise uh, powerful for others. So what uh, specifically do you, what kind of like programs or trainings, et cetera, do you guys, uh, do you offer? So, um, so we're still a really new organization. So we've done a lot of pilot programs with different groups, but uh, the main focus is on um, uh, the main areas tended to be uh, with education, students and teachers, um, with uh, military veterans is one of the big pushes that we're moving towards, um, law enforcement, uh, individuals with a history of uh, conflict or trauma. Um, and uh, some of the big successes has been uh, with individuals uh, coming from incarceration, um, again, with uh, military veterans, uh, and then with uh, areas of education. Mm-hmm. And do you, well, before I ask you this question, you know, when you were talking about your um, uh, kind of progression in a sense with starting with karate, karate and then Aikido, it, you described someone who was angry. It sounded mm-hmm. like you were kind of wound up really tightly. Um why do you think, or how do you think you've been able to uh, work through that, in a sense, by doing, by working with these kids or working in this way? Um, well, part of what I think is wonderful about Aikido, and part of the, that's what I really try to highlight about the program, is that it is interactive. And because it's interactive, we have this wonderful source of feedback through our partner. 
And so, um, so I ask my partner to hold on to my wrist and I try to perform a specific movement and I can really tell, um, where I need to be more relaxed, uh, where I need to be more engaged, where, um, where I'm being more oppositional versus collaborative, um, uh, and where our shared movement can become really dynamic. Um, and every time you go through a technique, um, there's a range of feedback that you get of how positive to how much of a struggle it is to perform. And, um, so not only do we have this chance to feel strong and empowered in the face of, uh, of a simulated, uh, um, conflict or aggression, but we also get to see, well, what kind of person can I bring to the table and how does that interact with this situation? And so I really, um, so every time I would go through a technique, um, I could really feel when the karate guy was coming to the table. Interesting. Um, and, uh, and you can do some really, uh, um, powerful techniques, um, and it, and it doesn't feel right because it feels like it's being very, um, very aggressive. Um, and then you figure out, wow, this really can work in a way where I feel, um, where it doesn't feel terribly different from giving my son who's five, this big gigantic hug and, and an Aikido movement. And when those two things felt similar, um, the, the idea of giving this compassionate embrace and this idea of intervening in someone in a, in a moment of conflict, when that felt the same, I started to recognize um, that things were in a direction that I really was really enjoying. Wow. That's, that's really it's fascinating to hear that, um, that working through process. Um, so for our listeners here, I'm, 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 I want to reach out to them and I want to hear like, what do you, do you think, uh, they should do here. I mean, this sounds fascinating to me, but for someone maybe who isn't uh, familiar with Aikido, and if they're interested in maybe applying some of these principles, or what is your hope for our listeners in a sense? Um, well, I think it's twofold. One is which I think that um, the work that therapists do is is crucial, and and I think that it's so powerful. Uh, the resources that you share on this show and the different modalities that can therapists can use to approach. Um, someone on their trauma journey. And I think that um, one of my hopes is that we, that we recognize um, that there can be support for the person going through this journey that assists with the great work that therapists are doing. Um, And if there is a a practice in the community that can, um, one, make an individual less isolated, uh, two, make them feel a sense of accomplishment, a sense of empowerment, um, their own tools for, for both grounding and, and interacting uh, in their daily life, that that can really support the work that is done um, in therapy. And so looking for those kind of resources, and, and we know that uh, there's a lot of great uh, trauma-informed yoga out there, there's, um, um, and many trauma-informed practices in the community that can be very beneficial. Um, but part of it is that some of us have practices uh, that could be of great benefit to individuals. And the idea that we could adapt the practices to really support individuals and in their journey of trauma, recovery, and growth um, is something that's really compelling. Um, and the idea that therapists could assist um, community individuals in making their practices more trauma-informed, uh, more trauma-safe, uh, 
really makes the the net that can be cast of support far broader. Yeah, I mean, well put. I mean, you know, you talked about uh, reaching out to the community, even kind of uh, inviting maybe our clients to reach out and take part in a program like that. But this is, uh, again, so relevant for for therapists in and of themselves. I mean, I, I think if you haven't already thought about it or are doing it, develop something for therapists specifically. Yeah, and, and absolutely, because I think that as caretakers, um, uh, I th- so one thing I'll say is I really see um, conflict, violence, and trauma as a burden that we really carry physically. Um, and as caretakers, we really take on and share in other people's burdens. Um, and to be able to have a physical practice that uh, helps the body be a resource in um, releasing that burden that we share um, and sort of regrouping and renewing for to be there for our next client um, is really important. And to have a practice that is our own um, is not only self-care, but a, but a self-care practice um, that really looks at how our body can be a resource in that way. And then you know certainly that the way that we interact uh, non-verbally uh, and engage with uh, others um, is greatly affected with how the body is expressing herself. And looking at that um, through the lens of Aikido is also something that is, can be very helpful. What, what drives you, Jeff, day to day? What's, what's your why for this? Well, well one is just um, is my, my deep belief that we do not have to carry the weight of our trauma. We do not have to carry, even if we are dealing with our experience, even if we're moving on to heal, um, to, to, to pursue growth during that process, we do not necessarily have to carry, carry the burden of the trauma with us. And so I really believe that there's a way through practice, um, that we can reduce the physical cost of carrying that burden so that our energy can really be placed towards healing. And to think that I have any way of contributing to that is amazing. Um, the other thing that really, that really keeps me in this is that, um, you know, as an artist, I've been in a, in a places in my life where I've really felt, you know, I'm in the studio, I'm by myself, um, I'm being creative, but I do not feel like I'm a part of the world. Um, and to be able to jump into the river, uh, with, with all of these individuals in their journey and their struggle, um, and their efforts towards finding, um, finding their own path. Uh, being in that current, and and from your knowledge of Aikido, um, the idea of being in the flow of water is very powerful, um, and it's a life giving experience that uh, one is healing and nurturing to me, but is just is really just an exciting to see what comes out of that dynamic. Nice, love it. All right, so as we kind of close down here, what um, uh, books? You have any book recommendations, whether yeah. Aikido related or not? Or? Sure. So. Um, the two books that uh, um, that I would mention, if you're if you're really looking to try to understand what Aikido is from its philosophy to its practice, uh, Linda Holiday Sensei, who's a wonderful Aikidoist um, and a mentor who I am very grateful for, uh, um, worked on a book called "The Journey of Journey to the Heart of Aikido: um, The Teachings of Motomichi Ano Sensei," and um, and what it really is, is um, her journey as an Aikidoist um, under an instructor who had studied directly with the person who developed Aikido. Um, and it's a really interesting insight into the teachings and sort of the, the feeling that comes from the outcomes that come from the practice. 
Um, and the second book uh, is a book that sounds really clinical, but but I'll preface it by that it is. Um, uh, so it's by my mentor, uh, Tom Osborne, uh, who actually just recently passed away, um, and who I'm, I'm really grateful for having a chance to collaborate with um, on on how to train Aikido dojos to be more trauma-informed and trauma-inclusive um, mm. spaces. Um, he published a book, uh, um, and I'm trying to get the exact title, um, Combat-Related Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, A Holistic Approach. And, um, and there is some uh, academic information in there, um, but what's really valuable in there is it illustrates his journey as a Special Forces Vietnam veteran struggling with PTSD and discovering Aikido as the resource that really kept him being able to move forward. Wow. Uh, and then later in his life, uh, his efforts to uh, create programs for, um, for veterans um, to be able to share in that practice. Um, and he started a great organization that I'm still a part of, uh, um, which is KNSA, Kaganen no Senshi Aikido, which really focuses on um, both Aikido for combat veterans um, uh, who are living with post-traumatic stress, as well as uh, training Aikido dojos to be more um, trauma-inclusive and trauma-informed environments. What was his name again? Tom Osborne, and that's uh, O-S-B-O-R-N. Awesome. Got it. Okay. Again, I'll have those linked up at the show notes page at uh, thetraumatherapistpodcast.com. Um Awesome. All right. So the website is uh, sarete.org, S-A-R-E-T-E.org. Uh, you have links to Facebook and so forth. Um, awesome. Man, you're doing yeah. awesome stuff. I just I just am so inspired by what you've done here, Jeff. I uh, just really appreciate you taking the time to, to share it with uh, my listeners here. Well, I appreciate it, Guy, and, uh, and and thank you for what you do. The podcast has been a great resource and uh, for me to understand all the great work that is being done um, in the trauma field and, and, and keeps me really honest in, uh, in pursuit of trying to create a, um, a trauma-informed practice. Well, thank you for that. All right, sir. Uh, we will be in touch. Thanks, thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Guy. All right, folks, today's episode is brought to you by audible.com. I've teamed up with Audible to get you a free audiobook by going to the traumatherapistproject.com slash free book. That's the traumatherapistproject.com slash free book. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, your Kindle, MP3 player. Look, if you're like me and you love reading and you like getting information, wherever you can, whenever you can, from all over the place, this is a no-brainer. They have titles such as Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman, The Body Keeps a Score by Bessel van der Kolk, and my recommendation most recently is Tribe by Sebastian Junger. Awesome book. They also have a pretty incredible return policy. How do I know this? Because I've used it multiple times. Once you remember, just go in, click on return, and that's it. You get a free book. You get another shot at getting another book. Sound good? Get your free audiobook by going to the traumatherapistproject.com slash free book. goodbye 
apply to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.